Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And we're back with Nick for part two. Uh, so far, part one has been fascinating. Um, I, I mean, I've always had an affinity for the mm-hmm. SAS just uh, because I'm a Bond fan and a Rainbow Six fan. And <laughs> Dude, John and I in Vegas when we were 21 uh, drank with this SAS cat. And that was probably the f- best time. The, the most fun I've ever had in Vegas was with this old salty guy talking about his time in SAS and all the fucking war stories that he was telling us, buying us drinks. Um, And we were both in the military, and he was just oh, it was amazing. And the dude had stories for days talking about how he got shot in the face. He was a sniper, all this crazy shit. And, man, it was, it was wild. And then uh, that was just – it was amazing. So, yeah, I love hearing about all these special forces stuff, the SAS. I mean – brings back some some fond memories of getting drunk in vegas with this gent and it was just amazing um great guy fucking dude straight killer but was the had the calmest soul and demeanor i've ever met in my entire life yeah they're pretty they're, the guys are pretty good both on and off the field by the way so i'm sure wow. they're just great <laughs> so you were saying something about how you hit burnout you were experiencing you're in a relationship and you were experiencing anxiety and you were like, wow. And all of a sudden you were in this relationship and emotions started coming out as a floodgate was open. Right. And then you started experiencing depression. Um, you were talking about some of the coping mechanisms. And I know a lot of our listeners, including myself, have dealt with severe anxiety, severe mm-hmm. depression. And some of us still don't have the proper coping mechanisms, maybe like dialed in. Is there something that you did or you're currently still doing that helps you with anxiety and depression? Yeah, I'm, I can go all through that. One thing that's been pretty cool and just uh, hearing Tom talk about it in the last one was like, hey, you hear this come up? I've trailblazed the fuck out of this, by the <laughs> way, for okay. a lot of people. I can pretty well point in a great many directions the right general directions in in many 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 fucking ways um so yes i do have those and i I think i might um i might be best um alluding to them and then kind of summarizing them because i think there's a lot of information i can share on that a lot and more than happy to because it's like my big thing of, of doing this is like if i help one person's fucking great um so I had this depression um, starting to come up there. And I didn't really notice it was even a thing until I went to visit my girl. So I'm flying between Perth, Australia, and now Miami to visit her um, and spend time with her. And she had a son, so it's kind of like a stepfather. And- a, le- a single mom Latina who lives in Miami. Dude. Yeah. Something else. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> More of a stereotype. Yeah, I know. It was something else. It was something else. Man. It was a, definitely a journey. Um, and it was, she was actually, mind you, she was probably the, one of the smartest people I've ever fucking met, naturally smart. And she was also still to this day, the most beautiful woman I've ever met. So it was a different, it was a, it, and what I learned from her 
was a gift. So it was like, I can't sit there and like go and take it all as a, as like a, a, a write-off experience. Right. But there was a moment where I was like, I went to visit and I was, and I, I couldn't stop sleeping. And I'm talking the deepest, most blackout sleeps ever for like 18 hours a day. And I didn't know what the hell was happening. And then there was a day where I just, I was like broken down, started just like crying in the car. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm crying about. I don't even know why I'm crying. She's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. But I know what's at the end of this crying. And she, and this isn't regular, right? Like I'd, I'd maybe cried like twice at something at this stage in like maybe 10 years, seven mm. years, something like that. I, I had like, it was a long number of years. And, and I'm like, I don't know, but at the end of it, it doesn't, it wants me dead. And that was probably where I first started going, something's pretty not right here. What's it? You said it wants me dead. You're like, whatever it is that's making me cry. I guess guess myself. Right. Like subconscious or my conscious wants me dead. It doesn't want me alive anymore. Mm. It's like myself. Whatever is at the center of this, whatever's going on, because I had no idea that was happening, and I was sure I'm not going to tell anyone. No, 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 no. Yeah, right. You want to tell someone? You want to find the quickest way to lose your identity and career and life in one fucking day? Yeah, let me sign up for rejection and yeah, Yeah. complete destruction of my self identity. Yep, and 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 the scenario is already pretty fucked enough to even show it in front of her, which wasn't planned in any capacity. That one just really just turned to shit. So anyway, so I go back to Australia and proceed to try to bury this as best I can. Um, well, I, uh, I, I struggled a fair bit and meditated a lot. And I just started getting to a point where I just wasn't winning at it well and truly. And the memory had gone and there was shaking and my nervous system was shaking down and I wasn't sleeping um everything that comes with the general the the um the general the nighttime i guess experiences there um really disconnected from the girl in many ways um and just from life or everything in general and the meditations couldn't plug the holes and um i couldn't pay attention for more in anything and concentrate on anything for more than a couple of seconds okay and it was starting to become very dangerous to drive to um to work and i live three minutes away and that's the brain fog was like ridiculous oh it was so bad that i was almost killing myself and others multiple times on the way to work holy shit multiple. every every five seconds i'd be almost having another incident it was it was it was something right. i've never had before and at this point it's like all right I still can't tell anyone at work, but I'm now at the point where I'm wearing sunglasses indoors because I'm breaking down crying for no reason that I'm aware of 15 times a day. And I, I don't know what's going on. I'm like a proper mess at this point. Like I, I, I've, my subconscious and conscious, neither of them have consistent control. It is just a circus. And I'm like, All right, I can't go to the range, not because I think I'm going to pull my gun and shoot myself, but because I'm like, I can't even focus on holding a steering wheel let alone when I'm shooting and halfway through I'm shooting, I'm not even paying attention. It was, and it was that bad. I wasn't able to keep in the present moment in anything. Right. It got to such a point that it was like, all right, 
And I walked in and I told um, one of the commanders and he was like, holy fuck. And it was at this point, it was kind of like, how did anyone not see this? That's what, okay. So that was going to be my next question. Is at any point, did anybody be like, hey, bro, you were right? No, everyone's kind of got each other's back in there in an ability to protect your career for you and you in that process. Right. And I think guys are so in their own world in many ways and just disconnected that they're not even really looking at the other bloke's face properly because what is normalized in a high stress environment is like, I don't know what's going on, but you know, talk about it, you'll share it with me. And no one talks about anything and shares anything like that. So it's they're geared towards don't say anything because we don't, first of all, by saying anything, you could screw over his career or his, his ability to do his job. Second of all, I don't want to lose him because he's my homie. And third, it's going to expose things that about myself that I might have to deal with. Yep. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, there's no win in it for right. anyone. Um, so I then proceed to, uh, I then proceed to um, tell this commander and he takes me to the next senior guy and he's like, looking at me, he's like, you go home, do not drive. You walk home and you stay there until we work out what the hell we're going to do from here. And to their credit, they went, they were on it. They did not fuck around. And then I, 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 once I went to the psych and stuff, um, and doctor and then people were like, yeah, this is pretty fucking horrendous. More to the point that we didn't even, no one even picked up on it or noticed how bad this had, had gotten. Um, we didn't have a culture for it at the work in any capacity. Right. right. Um, like, kind of don't. Yeah. And we still kind of don't. And there's also, some regard a good reason for that because the mission orientation focuses the task at hand and the job and what's right. required in the job. And also there should be a, a place for it in some capacity. So, uh, or at least managing it along the way and doing pre- like preparatory medicines and treatments and things. Like, like preventative maintenance you would do for yeah, a prevention. Yep. Prevention. You, would, you should do sort of the same thing for your, your operators. Both military and first responders. So I've been a big proponent for both military and first responders because it, this was pointed out to me. When you're in the military, you go on a deployment, you 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 were saying four months, right? For four months, your mindset is that. You don't switch it, right? I think the difference being, you know, when you're home versus when you're deployed or you can adjust your mindset for this block of time that you know you're going to be in one location, right? Then the adjustment is getting your mindset back when you change. The difficulty in law enforcement is your deployment is every morning, right? Mm-hmm. You go deploy every, you have to get that mindset while you're at work. And then you have to turn that mindset off and go home at the end of every day. Now, yes, you get to, you get that loving, like you said, go back to your cave and get the female emotional support, that female energy, hopefully in yeah. the day and age where it's becoming increasingly harder to come by. Um, yeah. But also, then you got to key yourself back up just to go back out there again the next day. Right. right. So it's, it's one is this long arc and the other is the series of shorter arcs. I can't tell you which one's better or which one's worse, but I've been a long time proponent of the idea of six months on three weeks off period. Right. Like if you're working in law enforcement or you're working anything where you have to be the tip of the spear and, and the, you know, you can do six months, but then you have to take three weeks off and it'll still be paid. It's not vacation. This is just mandatory mental health. Like we don't want you shooting anybody, kicking anybody. Like you have to just take some time off. And yep. then 
you come back for another six months. And during that three weeks, you're off, but you're still doing work. You're still, you know, you're still doing things. It's not like we're punishing you. You just, we have got to take you out of the rotation and get your, you know, rotate your tires, check your oil. Like we understand this is a problem and we should just normalize that every six months we take you out of the rotation and kick the tires on you. There needs to be preventative medicines because it's, I just yeah. think he, from a logical point of view of, of manpower, like how much easier to, to just keep someone in the game longer than it is to train a new person. Right. Right. Yeah. And they're, they're not, they're, they haven't been doing it right. Like obviously for quite a while, um, no one's. Yeah. Well, we got to get away. And we say it assets, right? Oh, it's an asset. He's an asset. He's the, we're not assets. We're people. Right. right. You've got to stop thinking. And the military, the, the co- corporately law enforcement in the military and fire and all that, you got to stop thinking of mm-hmm. police officers and soldiers and fighters, war fighters and stuff as tools. You're not a saw. Yep. Right. And you know what? When I was going through the academy and then most of my law enforcement career, they would tell you, the senior guys and the instructors would tell you, you have to be able to turn it on at work. And when you leave, you turn that shit the fuck off. You leave your home life at home. And then when you're at home, you leave your work life, work life at work. But what they don't tell you is that shit bleeds over. And it starts bleeding over the more time you have on, the more you know <laughs> fights, the more issues you start to deal with at work. It starts to bleed. And then by the time you have some cops in busy areas, five years on, it's fucking all bled in. They're burnt out by 10 years on. It's even worse. And then so... I've seen that firsthand in law enforcement and that's kind of why I want to know what, like, what you've done to like really help yourself with that and others. And, you know, I, I, I myself had joined um, a, a counseling group for my agency peer support to help others with that, but no one ever asked for help. Even if you go and reach out to them, they never asked for help. I've had a few people reach out and be like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I'm like, all right, we well, can decompress. You can just, you know, I can get you assigned here in this area just to decompress for like a week or two and then you can go back out in the field and deal with your shit right but it, the culture is not there the culture is more so of bury that shit deep down don't let it the fuck out and yep. don't let that shit bleed over into your two different lives but yep. it's it's to me it, i think that's impossible to do and when you're least expecting it that angry beast will rear its head and fuck your shit right on up yep. oh yeah and it'll do that. And that's kind of the system, right? It's like, all right, someone will go as long as they can in their career, in their life until they reach breaking point and then they're done. And then we put the new person in there yeah, or the person coming through. And I think that's the system that they're accepting working, but at the cost of breaking people near yeah, permanently. Right. And then they've got this crisis post-service that they're like, well, no one's really successfully taking care of those people, right? Post. So you've got this. No matter where you look at it, you're kind of the government is kind of paying for these guys for all this damage of the system that doesn't work mm-hmm. for the way they use manpower. Right. Just throw some drugs at them. Yeah, throw some drugs. Throw some drugs. And the worst, look, I'm not even so against some of the drugs as long There's as it's every measure. measure. Right. It's There's, triage. Yes. Triage medicine. And I, I there's a place for triage medicine, which then <laughs> kind of leads me to the journey. I get on, so they, these people handle me pretty successfully and they send me toward a uh, trauma recovery course with some of the best um, psychologists and psychiatrists and so on in the country. 
and with some other vets. We go there. They were remarkable. And that's, that was triage treatment, right? Very clinical, very organized. I want antidepressants. The antidepressants ruined me. And I ended up getting off them and finishing the course. And three months later, I'm stable. But I'm aware that my body is like physiologically pretty beat and starts getting more and more exhausted and keeps getting more and more exhausted. So it's then at this point there, I'm like, right, mentally, I'm never going to be in there to pursue the same job again. I'm I'm still like, it's going to take quite a while to get this 100%. Like I've stopped myself from bleeding. Now it's like requires, and I've had a bit of surgery, but now I really have this long healing process per se. Right. Isn't guaranteed to be rehab. To learn to walk again and shit like this, mm-hmm. right? Right. It like that metaphorically. And uh, I do that, but the physical stuff is starting to catch up with me physiologically. Just going from going through this, the doctor is like, oh, yeah, you're not just um, chronic fatigue, you're now at like a stage of fibromyalgia. What's that? He's like, well, you'll intermittently heal. I'm like, okay, I don't know. All right. Yeah, because I'm like pretty, not just mentally, but I'm like pretty physically like fucking exhausted. But then I get to the point where I'm like, all right, it's a decision where I'm like, I, I, I can't be in the military anymore. So I get out and with exhaustion and most of the mental health is not perfect, but at bay, like the bleeding stopped. Right. And I go into this, I go into this state of like, all right, I need to get the fuck away from all this military shit, this country, everything. And I went to Latin America and I'd learned Spanish pretty good at this time. I'll like, I'll focus on that. I'll take six months to chill. Everything will be, it'll be okay. So I went to Latin America and I proceeded to, um, to just try and, um, like have a bit of like a new life per se, right? Away right. from all the free stuff and just get away from any anyone that has that association of all that stuff. But physically, my body isn't healing, and it starts to get really bad. Now, the first twelve months, ten months, I'm sick, and I'm talking sick like I was from back to back viral or bacterial infection of whatever kind. I just I had no immunity. It was just catching sicknesses. It was like this is intense. Right. And the two months that I was off, I was tired. Now the next year, twelve months after that, I was probably sick eight months. But the four months off for an unbearable fatigue that I can't describe. Complete nervous system shut down. Eyes twitching. And probably a side note: while I'm on that, I've met a lot of really cool, interesting gringos and people. And one of them was a guy that I was introduced to named Jesse Gould, and he runs a foundation called Heroic Hearts. Heroic Hearts treats veterans for psychedel- with psychedelics and pushes for psychedelic use. Mm-hmm. Particular ayahuasca. Yeah. So I told okay. him, I said, look, mate, I'm, my body just doesn't heal. I'm so really fucked and quite desperate about this. Like I had to leave Colombia and go to Brazil to be on the beach because – I had to be, I was told by a doctor who, after doctors had just been quitting on me and just not even trying anymore because they're like, oh, you're tired, go rest, you're whatever. Um, he was like, no, this is pretty bad. He goes, your immune system doesn't function. He goes, you need to be sea level because the altitude is the oxygen of a hyperbaric chamber. And he's like, and you need to be in the sunlight almost every day with vitamin D. 
like as a start. He goes, as a fucking start. And he goes, then let's get you other medical protocols as we go. So I, I go do that. And there's a point there where I'm like, all right, I, I, I told Jesse, I'm like, usually there's a week window or two week window where I might start feeling really good. Well, not even really good, just not miserable, not broken, right? Right. And, and I, I said, if that happens, I will keep letting me know about these ayahuasca retreats and I'll jump on it if I can. And I had a gap there and I did it. And Jesse got me on immediately, like a week later. And it was one of the most profound, amazing healing kind of experiences I'd ever done. A week after that, I'm fine. I'm, I'm like, life is in order. It's just beautiful. Like, there's like a healing on many levels. But I start getting sick again. And I'm like, all right, well, all that work I just done on my mind and, you know, soul level or spiritual level is like, yeah, that's great. But we're now back to the priority of your health, triage of your own self. Your physical health is fucked, your mental health. And then you've got all these injuries from the military, but fuck them. They're not even important right now. You're just trying to keep yourself alive from physiological immunity issues and mental health issues. Um, so I go back to the physiological and I start really, really, really not losing, not winning that. It was getting far worse. Like I had, I'd absorbed all these parasites to the point where they were visible, red, white dots and pimples around my eyes. Um, my eye permanently twitching because um, oh. my nervous system just didn't function anymore. You were literally falling apart. I was not even just, yeah, literally falling yeah, apart. Literally. It was, and with the sicknesses and everything, and I couldn't sleep anymore. I would just shake. And I knew the difference now between mental health, um, depression as a result of depression, which is kind of like catching. Like I almost knew it as a disease. Mm -hmm. This was just misery just from existing. Right. Like I was shaking in my sleep, so I couldn't even sleep. Like my body was just unable to defend itself. So I took this punt with probably all the money that I was like kind of hanging on to at this point to get me through an ability to hopefully one day I was kind of almost like praying my journal every day, which I kept doing was me just kind of praying that one day I would be in so much misery that I could pursue life again. It was like, it was, you know, hoping it was like, I was kind of regretting existing at this point, but not suicidal. Like it was okay. just a misery so bad. I just wish I didn't exist. Um, and it was, it was, it was, punishing but i threw i met this guy serendipitously in in medicine through an introduction to that was working a stem cell clinic with the ufc fighters were gone and he's like i'll introduce you to the head of medicine do i go to nita i go through this he's like well look i don't i don't think um she goes you're in the hole nick she goes you're really far in the hole you, you know but I can tell you that we've had hundred percent success with every patient like you. She goes, I can't guarantee anything like a hundred, hundred percent. She's like, yeah, every single person that's ever come in with autoimmunity basically does not have autoimmunity anymore. I'm like, all right, how much? And then, you know, they gave me a pretty sizable quote for the year it was it's getting cheaper. And then with all the travel, the fact I had to come back three times probably cost me about 40 K. Yeah. Uh, but tell you what, if you're dying and, You've, oh no no yeah for sure well you've kind of really gotten the bank to your name at that point as you're trying to survive so people um, spend 10 times that amount to cure cancer 
Yeah, you just like fucking, you just like fucking take it, man. Like fucking take it, take whatever it is. It's like, um, we're through that at the problem, trusting in faith of this and kind of following some breadcrumbs of God at this point, and it. The I probably had a few months left to live, to be honest, and I wasn't telling anyone that because I was unable to talk to anyone anymore. I didn't have the energy to have a voice conversation, have a phone conversation, right. the interaction going to the grocery store was too much. Just physically, not like mentally. Like it was just, I just wasn't able to function without any, not just not sleeping anymore. No amount of sleeping drugs could make me sleep. Um, and not deep because I was shaking. So anyway, I then proceed to go I d- get this treatment. And then two months after that, like she's like, look, it could take three months, but probably take six. It might even take more if we even notice anything because you're so far in it. And on like clockwork around two to three months, I started feeling good, which was sketchy because those two to three months that I wasn't was getting pretty close to death. Um, like really awfully close. Like I was aware I was dying and, uh, I then kept getting better. And I'm like, at this point I've kind of felt good for one or two weeks here and there over the last three or four years. And then the rug gets pulled from underneath me and I nosedive even further for like months. Yeah. And so now you don't want to hope. Yeah. So now I don't want to hope. I'm fucking terrified of hope. No faith in hope. And then it slowly get better and better. And then I go back for the next one and I do double the amount of stem cells on this one in two different places. One intrathecal into my spinal canal to pierce the broadband barrier where it works on like TBI and mental health stuff. And then another one back into the arm again to go like an IV general through the entire blood. Now it's worth here pointing out what stem cells do in very simple layman terms. Um, they're basically undesignated cells. Um, so they're essentially cells you create or come from a third party that have not been designated as an ear cell, as a leg cell, as a head cell or whatever. Right. They go into your body. They're universal. They're universal. They go into your body and they find a damaged or missing cell and replace it. Oh, wow. And... Somehow through the natural path of God, I would say, it goes in and knows what needs that cell replacement in a priority, and which is pretty amazing. So you can get it in an IV bag in your arm and it will go through. So just from a preventative medicine point of view, by the rich are taking it, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, commonly, and just from that point of view, fact that it'll go in and solve problems that you hopefully will never even know are problems in your life because right. it's solved from considerable use of this. And that's really good for athletes and the wealthy. Oh, I'm my wife has MS. I've wanted to get her into a stem cell clinic. There's one in Panama that I want to take her to. Um, I've got for this very I've got, thing. I've got a bunch as a result of this and a result of the foundation. So oh. I then proceed to um I then proceed to get better and better. And then I get the next one and I keep going up and I keep going up. And I'm still fearful of hope here, by the way. Like we're probably seven months later and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to hope. I'm just, all right, look, even if I just enjoy this ride for whatever it is before I die, so be it. Um, And and then I get eventually I'm like, I find myself just enjoying life again. And like, you know, like it's crept up on me because it's the daily changes. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm 
I'm in the sun and I'm running again. This is amazing. And I'm like, I just had a drink last night and I laughed and I had fun. I'm like, fuck, when did this happen? So that there was, it was, I did three treatments and now those treatment protocols are even more honed and they're doing R&D every year and the information and the protocols coming out about it are fucking remarkable and much cheaper because it's becoming more of a communally used right it's like and right it's becoming cheaper like the t-model forward stall right a- anything any new product release has three phases it has the you know experimental phase the early adopter phase and the mass market phase and i think with stem cell we are in that early adopter phase right we're in we're reaching the point where it's not experimental people know it works yep. they're starting to perfect yeah. treatments they're starting to perfect protocols there and so now you're getting people that are like Oh, I can just pay to have this. It's not experimental. Now I'm willing to to trust, yes. like you said, a significant investment of money to go have this done. Yeah, and it's way cheaper now too. What is it? So let me ask you this: What is a? You said forty for you. Cost me about forty in total for me with all the administration, everything involved, and um, that was for about two hundred million cells. And the clinic of that probably got about close to 30 with all the medical stuff involved. And where's um, the clinic? That was in Colombia. Colombia, right. So oh, you've got three, three major places really that are winning the race in, in Colombia, Mexico, and Panama. And Because the guy out of Panama is a doctor from Texas, I believe, right? Dr. Neil Riordan, I think he's leading the charge in all, yeah. in all he, of the you know, Because he can do... I, I re- heard an interview with this guy and in Texas, he can do site injections. Like he can inject into your shoulder yes. or inject yep. into your hip specifically, but to do mm-hmm. total body infusions, that's still prohibited in the United States. So if yep. you want to do a total body infusion of stem cells, you have to go to Panama for his clinic. Yes. You have to go to one of the, get one of the countries that illegally do it. So, which is crazy because I'm down to found out that you can get FDA certified stem cells but treated for the systemic problems in a foreign country with those stem cells. Right. Wow. So but it's you like, here. you just, it's like, you just can't get <sighs> injected. So you got to travel to get them. Yeah. And which is great because so now instead of like, I'm seeing protocols where you might, the amount I paid, you could expect to get maybe 600 million stem cells and a whole bunch of exosomes, which is the key kind of like active ingredient of the stem cells, although they don't live as longer long and they don't do the function as they'll work really quick for a few weeks, but the stem cells will work for like six months. Right. Wow. So it's like, it's like, all right, it's a balance of the two. Now they kind of mix together and they're all these other protocols they're looking at. The R and D on it is, is spectacular, right? Because it's obvious. Um, but it's not just what I got from that. It was the mental health clarity and the mind clarity from not having the inflation of the brain. Pretty handy. Um, and in a new lease on life in many ways. But not only that, I was then able to go back to the work that Jesse Gould had introduced me to and really start doing some extreme work with indigenous medicines, particular ayahuasca. And I just went in, I'm like, all right, well, now I've stable health. Let's, let's go. And, the results that I had from the indigenous medicines were like, I, I, I worked at it. Like I was willing to, 
probably die in many regards to work through a lot of that mental and, and sort of soul-based trauma that had that been created um, as a, the journey of life, right? Um, and holy shit, I, um, I, I wouldn't have said I was a person that had any reason I could think God existed before. Right. That changed. I found deep understanding of feminine and appreciation, understanding for women and the femininity. And then equal, uh, I found for the masculinity mm-hmm. masculine and, and for the men, um, I opened my heart for the first time. I found self-love through some intense meditation thereafter. Mm-hmm. And I, I always see things were actually expressions for anyone. I'm like, so is this what people have been feeling their entire life? Oh my God. Like the way they go through the world. It was like, it was a pretty intense shit, right? Like it was like, I wasn't aware that I thought these were just common household expressions. Like, Oh, just, you know, listen to your heart, you know, guy with your heart, whatever. I'm like, okay, maybe it's just an expression, but I'm like, I, I learned these things through, these medicines are like each ceremony is like the equivalency of say maybe 200 therapy hours. And yeah. it's kind of yourself. So you can ask yourself these questions, the speed of life and get a really direct, obvious answer for you to understand. So for the listeners, this is not like, I know Rogan, we're, we're going to have people that listen to Rogan. We're going to have people that listen to, yes. Uh, the use of hallucinogens um, for mental health therapy is not new. It's not new. Um, And I will give you a perfect example. Uh, LSD acid was invented for the purpose of conducting psychotherapy. It was literally a drug. They were like, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll give somebody a, a safe, low dose of acid. We'll guide them through some therapy. Then they will learn to do these things themselves. They can take some low dose LSD. They can guide themselves through, get some therapy, and it, it'll it'll help cure their mental well being. Cary Grant used to do recreational LSD because it was good for his m- mental well being, right? Um, now I'm not saying everybody should run out and do LSD. There, this is the problem. When you open your mind up like that, there are dangers. This is where the ideas of bad trips and all this shit have. But the idea of DMT, ayahuasca, uh, peyote, like LSD, these these things that we've been doing, shamans and, and and Native American cultures and South American cultures and and there's there's been so many cultures that have been doing these things for years. They're not reinventing the wheel. It's just the Western cultures finally going, you know, maybe there's some actual benefit. There's a book called The Immortality Key. Um, We had it in Europe and the Middle East as well, by the way. Mm -hmm. The active (laughs) ingredient that LSD is synthetic for is for an ingredient in ergot. Yeah, the ergot fungus. (laughs) was used to be drank at the temple and ceremonies of Elysium in Greece. Mm -hmm. For all the famous philosophers um, and the emperors of Rome, would go to lose their fear of death to partake in like a week long ceremony right. of the misuse of Elysium. And all the cauldrons in that book process were tested positive for ergot. So it was, and it was buried in the Catholic um, church in, because Christian, early Christians were doing it. It was buried it grows in the Catholic on, It's the fungus that grows on rye bread, I think. It's yeah. like it's, it's it, like, hmm. 
yeah, and and it grows on rye or grows on uh, any. And here's the thing: somebody somewhere ate some something that had taint had been tainted with ergot fungus. Went on a mild trip that evening, and then woke up and was like, "I did some, uh, I did some real heavy thinking last night. I feel better." Yeah, yeah, I feel that's, better. Yeah. that's how it happened. Like, it's it's not a it's not a secret, you yeah. know. Uh, okay, I'll give you I'll give you a funny example of this. I back in my twenties, a friend of mine went to El Salvador, and he brought me back a bottle of this liquor that um, was. Basically, you know, these guys would get drunk all day on on this sugar cane liquor. It was pure cane sugar liquor, but it was so it was like their version of vodka, but it was made out of sugar cane or whatever. No mm-hmm. doubt. And he bought me a bottle and brought it back from El Salvador as a gift. And I said, uh, "Oh, this is, you know, this is cool. I've seen this in the liquor store." He goes, "Yeah, this isn't the stuff you get in the liquor store in America. This is the stuff you get there. It's filtered through wormwood." Well, Ooh, yeah. what else is filtered through wormwood? Absinthe. Absinthe. Why? <laughs> because wormwood oil has a hallucinogenic property. You can use worm. So these guys have been filtering liquor through hallucinogenic oils, wood oil, and then they drink it, and it's it's in everything. It's it's not. I I know. So I'll tell you. I drank it. it. Was the weirdest drunk I've ever been, but it was really cool. It was there was a clarity to it, right? Like. It's hard to explain to people unless you've, you know, had these moments where you're like, holy shit, is this what normal people feel like? <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, it's almost, it's pretty legal now in many, in America, they're now looking for MDMA therapy, which is also the synthetic version of it's, it, it, what peyote and peyote's like North America and South America is another one that might come to me. Well, an MDMA um, is basically LSD mixed with speed. It's it's essentially you know you're getting a little bit of a little bit of the stimulant effect, like the the norepinephrine, noradrenaline, the dope, all those all those happy chemicals and the the feelings of invincibility that you get when you do speed, mixed with the mind opening, you know, substances in LSD. So you get this drug, or you feel like you can take on the world, and then your mind is open to all new experiences. That's why people love ecstasy. It's not a secret. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, they're now legally running ecstasy as a treatment protocol, right? So MDMA. Right. That's the thing that was approved by the federal government for rollout plan, and most first world countries are doing that, and psilocybin, which is mushrooms. Yes. And there's also yeah. ketamine, too. Yeah. So I I, um, I haven't done any of the, the, the ketamine therapy, and I also haven't done the, the MDMA one because, to me, they're all more synthetic, made in a right. lab. Right. Whereas the indigenous, really, there is – when you do peyote, because it's a hard opening kind of objective, right, to make you start feeling and you go through all, your, all the experiences with your family and your stuff and your life and you connect to people a lot more and your experiences and really buy some some healthy feelings to shit. Um, and then they've got the ayahuasca, which is like, sounds crazy to say, but anyone who does it is like, yep, no, that's, that's 100% fair. There is a natural intelligence almost of mother nature in that plant that has a journey for you or that wants you to go on. Like it is. Mother Ayahuasca. Yeah, it is. It is. And you, you sound like an insane like the person. universe has a guiding force to it. Yeah, right. Like maybe this. Yes, I tell people all the time, your body is DNA. DNA is a code. If you have code in your body, that implies 
that somebody coded it. Code does not write itself. Period. So somebody wrote the code. Whatever you want to believe in, you got to at least believe that there is an intelligent design to your life and your universe that you are slowly spinning through. You just have to look back on your life, right? One of the things that I, I've been I work on this this program with guys to help them, this community of men, um, find themselves and their their path of life and their journey and what they're calling to themselves and realign with their masculinity. And one of those things there that we talk to them is like whatever happened in your past couldn't have happened any other way than the way it happened. Like why? It's like because it fucking didn't. Right. right. Okay, so you'll like this then. I look at people, and I got this from an old salty cop who I was talking about, what do you think about this? What do you think? And I was, you know, young cop, I was what ifing shit, and he goes, eh, the odds of anything in life are 50-50. I said, what? He goes, the odds of anything in life are 50-50. I said, what do you, no. That's, and he goes, no, no, no. Either it will happen or it won't. Yeah. The odds of anything in life are 50-50. And as far as that level of like freeing yourself to stop worrying, right? It was like, oh shit, I can stop what ifing things to death because it'll either happen or it won't. And if it happens, I got to deal with it. And if it doesn't happen, I don't have to fucking worry about it. Yep. So what's, you know, yeah, have plans, make, you know, make preparations, you know, but don't worry about the, the 17 different permutations from a decision that hasn't even happened yet. Yep. Not being attached to the outcome. Right. Forcing anything. There's a lot in this world where we really trying to square a lot of round pegs into triangle holes. Yeah. And it's, and it's like you get out of the way of yourself and things start to come together just more serendipitously. That's actually a big problem I have with the equity thing is because not everybody's built the same. Right. Mm -hmm. So, if 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 you're built to do a certain thing, right? If you're built to be the guy who can coldly, if you're a surgeon, right? They talk about surgeons being um, borderline sociopaths because they're able to take all human emotion out of it and realize they have to operate, like they have their hands inside a person's body. If you think about it, anybody who thinks about their hands being inside of a person's body and manipulating their organs, it's it'll be overwhelming and you'll run out of the room screaming. But a surgeon is a person who's able to compartmentalize and go, no, it's a fucking heart. I'll just put it together because I know how the parts work. And they're able to compartmentalize. But that doesn't mean that surgeon is going to be really good at sitting down with kids and explaining concepts relating to opening up emotionally. Because he probably doesn't know how to, <laughs> you know, every everybody's got a place in this world. And if there's a guy that's got to hold the dog's hand while it suffers and comfort it and make it feel better. And then there's the guy that's got to put the bullet in its brain and it's not always the same person. So you're right. You, when you understand that people are different and they all have different roles to play, you can then honor that and you can be respectful of everybody's differences. Yeah. So knowing what you know now, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of people that are, I can't get stem cells. I'm not, I can't afford it, whatever. And obviously I can't go down to, you know, um, Panama or Costa Rica or wherever for, um, ayahuasca. 
Is there anything that you can recommend in the States that people can take? I know there's that whole new biohacking thing with like cordyceps reishi and like the, the taking of the tannicures for the, um, the, those mushrooms, but is there, there are things that people can, can take or try in the States, um, or in the Western civilization yeah. that can they take to help? Yeah. The EMDR oh. kind of stuff, right? Look, yeah. There's, there's a whole bunch of different options. They're super clinical, right? But I mean, for those who can't, for those who can't, firstly, when it comes to the mental and, I guess, soul or spiritual health, whatever you, however you connect that, right? It's all pretty connected to the body, by the way. You can't get it out of it by just treating the body. That's something that I think people have got this huge, and there's books written about this, right? Body keeps a score. If you've, if a woman's been, Great, she's 99.7 or something percent almost certain to have PTSD. Like it's basically a certainty. Right. Like mm-hmm. the body will do it. And if it's untreated and un- unprocessed and untreated, she will develop for sure in order. Um, uh, she will develop chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, autoimmunity, which is the point I got to. And then once that's unchecked, major chronic disease like cancer, et cetera if it's not treated. So in the US, if you're in the US, you've got a whole bunch of legal protocols now that are coming out and are probably very much available, which could be the ketamine, which could be the which could be the psilocybin, psilocybin therapy or the MDMA therapy. Now, one thing that I got told in the indigenous circle is yes, try the different medicines. But they're like, but when you find one that resonates with you to work on stick to it and see that through until you've done that journey don't be zigzagging on different medicines trying to deal by scatter gunning let it run its course go with a clinician or whatever in the u.s you know through like that legal orientated process if that's your journey and then obviously the stuff that jesse gould is doing with heroic arts you know there's that's kind of very much trailblazing and very powerful. And if that's your journey to go look at, you know, in Latin America or whatever, you're, it's, you know, it's your, it's, it's your life. For me, it was the most powerful heal, accelerated healing process ever that I could have ever heard. And, you know, these guys have been doing the, the same ceremony for like 30 or 40,000 years. Mm-hmm. But I just don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Well, and then when it comes to stem cells, this is the part that got me. There is no regenerative medicine available for the veterans and services because I've come across this with immense amounts of police officers that are also down in Colombia getting treated. There is none available in the system and in the VAs. And that's not mm-hmm. just in America, by the way. Why I created this foundation and centered it in America because I wanted to do it for the Five Eyes Nations, for the Britain, US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. We all share intelligence together. We keep ourselves in a, like unwavering allegiance, yeah. and we basically go to wars together and share assets. Yeah. Like I had American pilots buddies. flying yeah. in and out of the shit for me every fucking time, into blizzards sometimes, not to leave us out overnight in case in case there was an opportunity to get ambushed. Like it was. It was like I, they were American. I've had an Australian pilot come grab me the once. Um, and so the bond is there, right? And the interoperable service we've done together with the other 
special operations groups in America in direct support of each other and the assets and everything. It's just we're in it together, right? The part that got me was I'm like, I know so many veterans, so many people I've worked with that are in some way pretty fucked up that do not have access to this. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not just bullshit because they don't have access. They don't have access because they don't have the money. And if you're a disabled veteran who can't work or can only work part-time, whatever, good luck trying to convince your wife that you're going to spend your entire year's um, disability income on on experiment <laughs> therapy. Right? Yeah, on, yeah. on experimental yeah. therapy of stem cells. Hear me out. Hear me out. Yeah, hear me out. Hear me out. Just listen to it. This is crazy play. Listen, listen, listen. So I thought this is this is fucking bullshit, and I'm like, all right, well then, how if I was to go about this from a strategic point of view, I'm like, how would I get this available? Like the speed they're going, this probably won't be available to veterans for like maybe ten years or more in the VAs or serving military. Because I'm like, how do I help the next generation not become as fucked? Right. You know, it's these major diseases linked to operators or a combat corps or anything is going higher due to their exposures to shit. Oh God. Yeah. The, the, the chemicals, the, the, yeah. yeah. Oh, the know. burn, the burn pits and things, the radiation. Like I remember I sat on the back of a Navy SEALs bloody vehicle to get dummy dropped, inserted one night where they just, the local Taliban of the region reporting just thought that they were just doing a traditional night operation where they did a patrol. They didn't know we were on the back of the vehicle. We jumped out of the back of the vehicles and went on. But while I was crammed in the back, because I wasn't in a position that we were supposed to have people on, right, under the cover right. of dark, I, my head was jammed rocking against, like, a door and, and uh, and like, the back of this vehicle, right? And it was on this, this antenna that was designed to radiate frequencies so that people couldn't use IEDs that were set off by telephones or radio frequencies. And it was... So powerful, the next 200 yards surrounding weren't going to be able to do that. Maybe maybe further, right? While my head was there and I had NVGs on, it burnt a hole through one of my NVGs line just from looking Holy at shit. it. Wow. Yeah. And guys were carrying those radio packs on their back permanently all day, every day. Yeah. In capacity, even at an individual level. But this shit does not surprise me of what it's doing to us, right? Especially the fact that you throw in some poisonous, random processed foods in there with all this other shit that can sit on a shelf for like 20 years. Good chance that they don't have the the minerals and vitamins to protect themselves if that doesn't just poison them alone. Mm -hmm. So I looked at this and I was like, this is is horseshit. So not that I was, you know, looking to create a foundation. I'm like, all right, how do I do this and get? Um, at first I was like, all right, maybe there's a business in this to get um, the governments to pay for veterans to do this. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not going to fucking happen. Okay. Well, I'm like, all right, how do I get this objective? And I'm like, all right, do a foundation. And it, and eventually it just became so obvious. It's right. All right. This is, this is just a journey to basically get as many veterans treated by a foundation as possible mm-hmm. in order to, and I'm talking, it's expensive, right? I just, I, not even can I not treat everyone, but I can barely treat anyone relatively, right? For the cost of this. Right. And the, the, the idea is to treat as many 
damaged people from those five nations that are significantly damaged to the point where I can really move the needle, correlate the data, release it to the public and get it in the hands of generals, congressmen, people who give a shit, right? Like senators, right. parliamentarians. And essentially force this down the throats publicly of the success of this to such a degree that I take what was going to be 10 or so years and get it not just in the veterans affairs community, but in the serving military as a preventive medicine within five. And that's wow. the objective. Really? That's it. Like I, I gotta be honest, I don't, I don't have a great interest in running a foundation, it's, but it's my duty after accidentally stumbling upon this. Right. Have you, have you had any headway on it? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about the foundation. What is it called? And what is it, its mission? I called it warrior refit foundation. And it's, and its mission is exactly that to basically expedite the integration of regenerative medicines into the veterans fairs and the serving militaries of the five eyes nations. Okay. So how can our listeners find out more? How can they contribute? What can they do to help? Where are you at? Where can they find you? I, I went like an operator on this, right. And I went out hell for leather and organized fucking everything. And no shortage of everything falling into line. But what I did was I essentially got the car in front of the horse. Right. The horse's money. Yep. And I need money to do this job. And that's it. That's it. Like I need donations to get veterans treated to correlate the evidence. Right. And I've got people that are that are that were, no one's no one's getting paid fucking well the Jews are getting paid for their time if they get paid anything and no one's being paid yet yeah it's everyone's doing this at a volunteer level i've got probably 80k into this that i i won't get back and i'm asking for it back because it's doing the right fucking thing right and essentially i am poised to basically start sending some of the most broken veterans to get treated with doctors who believe in the mission as well and that they will correlate the data as it's through necessary protocols to be able to then start lobbying and basically releasing this to the public, talking about it more and basically getting into the hands of the people that have the power to make decisions. I want to make the evidence so fucking indisputable that once one domino goes from whether it's a serving military of a VA for any of those five nations, it will make the other, I'm going to embarrass the shit out of the other fucking governments and agencies and organizations, by the way if they don't catch up like super quick once that first domino yeah. goes. So where we're at now is it took a while, but I finally got 501c3 approval, United States mm-hmm. backlog and a process and a, and a few queries just because it's of what the foundation's doing. That has been approved. That was about uh, six weeks ago. Um, and, and we are, yeah, basically that was the deciding factor that made us ready to start taking donations so people can get their tax write-offs and whatnot for that. Nice. And uh, in the meantime, leading up to that, I got absolutely everything else ready. I went and visited clinics. I've basically aligned everything in order to get these guys treated. And I said, I can't, the worst part about this was I didn't even, I did not want to go public in any capacity about this. Um, Just because I didn't want to dangle the carrot in front of guys that I can't treat. Right. You don't want to make promises you can't keep, blah, blah, blah. blah. I, think, 
So yeah, so and like I, it's not something where people will be able to reach out and go, "Hey, could you treat me?" It, it's not. Like it is impossible with the donations to treat that many injured people because I don't know anyone that I served within the SAS that isn't injured. Right. I don't know anyone not injured. That operator syndrome alone, aside from that, I don't know anyone that isn't injured that couldn't benefit from this significantly. And I have to overlook all of them for ethics, even in the, even in the, the trial treatment process. Right. And so from my point of view, it's like, okay, if this is what I need to do to raise funds, even at a micro level, if somebody going onto the webpage and donating anything that they can just, even if it's $2, they can afford to be without this moves that needle. But the good news is not only will it trickle to your brethren eventually, once it's been jammed through veterans affairs and serving military, but it'll also go towards the, the agencies, the police forces, right. Departments and even to the civilians fire insurance agencies. I don't think that we need to endure five more years of suffering when regenerative medicines are available. I think it's both cruel and negligent and even irresponsible at a political level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. There's, there's big fucking right, pharma. That's, that's what it is. Right. Exactly. There's there's the right thing to do, and then there's what you can legally do, and the two are have always been different. Like it's, yeah, we have a moral responsibility, and that's where foundations like yours and Wounded Warrior and all these the the Wounded Blue and all these other foundations, you know, these are people that are willing to do the right thing when nobody else will, because nobody else will. Right. Well, that's that's the thing. When I when I looked this up, I was like, oh yeah, so there'll be there'll be some group doing it. And I'm like, fuck, no one is. Right. Wow. And, that, and that's why that's, that's for how I got myself. You know, if, if you're asking, to be honest, I'd much rather be full pursuing the, the acting stuff or these men's community. I love that. Right. That right. stuff that we saw. I don't want to watch suffering all day, to be honest, like going through medical records or whatever and talking to people who are suffering to see if they're the right fit because we've got to take people that are really suffering to move that needle. But it's the right fucking thing to do. And and that's that's kind of like, all right, it's, it's, that's, that's what's got to be done, you know? And it, it did surprise me that no one else was was doing it. So here I am. Yeah, well, that is pretty surprising. Um, I do know there are spots in the US that will get you stem cells and stuff like that but they're like hey keep it on the hush hush don't let anybody come after hours type of stuff and i'm sure you, I, you could probably like hey just inject it into my bloodstream but you know most of that is just for like the point specific things like joints and and the ortho stuff you know um but that's, that's, can, it's wild that no one's doing it you can pay obviously for the the medical treatment and the variable levels because in the u.s yes it's a much smaller amount and it's only local can't do for the systemic stuff, right? And they're having huge results on just a normal civilian um, level. Like, I'll take some things. Someone will be like, because I'm a kind of intermediate conduit at this point where people go, hey, Nick, you know, my my wife has MS or something like that or, or, or whatever. And they'll go, Nick, what do you, which place do you recommend? Can you introduce me to someone? I'm like, because I've been through so many clinics. I'm like, yeah, let, give me a moment before I do that. Let me just ask if this can even be treated and to what extent. And I get given the most random 
fucking medical conditions that I couldn't even have joined those words together and probably didn't know half of them mm-hmm. to even do that and take it to a guy. And he'll fire back so many clinical trials immediately like, yeah, yeah, you know, the results are this percentage and it's, and it's almost with almost certainty, the medical result. And it's like, this is fucking, it just, it is like, this is bullshit. This is yeah. absolute fucking bullshit. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is that when uh, my latest uh, child, was born they have this thing thing um called the cord blood registry mm. and they they just started it. it's, it's kind of new I, I think it's been around for a few years i don't know how long is the first time i've heard of it and i've have four kids and <clears throat> basically what it is is they take the stem cells from the umbilical cord and they put it into a box and they hire a company the company comes and picks it up and takes it to arizona and uh, i think it's arizona in a um in a cryo facility and they store it for you now basically what that is is for um, any one of your children that's compatible with the DNA that's inside of that uh, that stem cell or that, that the, the blood that they have, and it's a couple of bags of blood or a couple of vials of blood, and they they basically tell you in the brochure if one of your kids becomes ill with some sort of um, disease or something, we well, can use this to fix them. Yep. And I'm like, well, okay, so any one of my family members can use it if I choose to use it, right? Generally, it's for the kids, so it's staying for the kids. But I'm like, damn, if they're just now starting to do it for the infants, why the fuck don't they do it for like adults? And I guess the whole ethics behind it is these are your kids' stem cells. They're not someone else's stem cells, right? And I think that's the big hang up for the Western civilization um, and society. It's that they don't know where the the stem cells are coming from or or some, some horseshit like that. And you can use it if it's your own, right? But I'm like, that's BS. You know, yeah, it's we need to get this. There's a lot of problems with the healthcare system that we don't have time to get into. So I know it works. Bullshit. And you've got companies making lots of money off of toxic treatments when there's a lot of other things that need to be treated. And I, 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 I don't want to sound like a hippie, crunchy granola guy. I'm just telling you. That your ancestors may have been primitive, but they weren't stupid, and they've oh, been, fuck they've been treating things for years with with natural remedies. And I would I would sooner trust at this point, I would sooner trust a shaman not to harm me and to give me things that are only going to help me, as opposed to trusting any one of these doctors prescribing the drugs that you see oh, advertised yeah. on TV, where the side effects are death and dismemberment and loss of function of vital organs and they tell you don't take it if you're allergic to it well how the do i know that yeah so to get back to doc's question right and i want to make sure i get this synopsis in there i've done a shit ton of pathfinding there's two things that i've said i say that if you're a veteran serviceman and you've 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 suffered right Mm-hmm. any emergency service because uh, you go through the same sh- we're so fucking similar we all go through the same shit right my grand my father was a homicide detective my grandfather was a homicide detective my uncle was a homicide detective the, the same sort of shit right it's consistent right always has two things and i that i will point people into the direction of i'm like indigenous medicines work unparalleled by anything else regenerative medicines and then I would now up to the point of adding a third because of just the journey that I've been on is 
find a community that helps you get um get holding that holds you accountable and helps you find yourself and your path again you know like maslow's hierarchy of needs to find your way up the path of that self-actualization on that mission bigger than yourself Mm -hmm. really hard to orientate on that right but it's like it's almost like finding a community that holds you accountable to the pursuit of a mission or something bigger than yourself right in what fucking community is because when guys get out and they're all lost and they could be lost for five ten twenty years or whatever that is a very lonely struggling place and there are fucking communities that you can find out there that'll 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 welcome you in and help you steer you back onto that right direction because you can heal your body and you can heal your soul and your mind and all of it together but a ship without a um a destination has no favorable winds right right doesn't matter how well the ship functions if it has nowhere to go it's useless right yeah. and therefore doesn't need to exist have a, have a, have a purpose, have a mission, have a point. I will tell you this. I retired from law enforcement. People who've listened to the show long enough have known me to say this. I thought I was done with it. I was like, fuck it. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. Um, I'll just close that chapter of my life. And I went on to something else. And I found out very quickly within a couple of years that I still needed to find a way to serve. I still needed to feel fulfilled. And so eventually this podcast grew out of a need to still do something for the community. Even if I wasn't doing it for, you know, the citizens of my, you know, city that I was protecting, I could do it for then my brothers and sisters who were still out there doing the job and still out there serving. And that gave me a purpose. That gave me a mission. It gave me, you know, something to it's like your foundation gives you something to be about and having that is huge for people like us i have one quick question nick have you ever i was listening to a podcast um mark bell was on it if anybody of you know mark bell he's a creator of the slingshot he's a power lifter was bodybuilder not the actual slingshot that was years ago it was like David and Goliath. Shit. Right. That's, that's, no, no, no. Yeah, the slingshot for your chest. It's you, yeah, it's for weightlifting. Now he was talking on this podcast about kratom. Have you ever heard of it? No. Yeah, okay. I, I figured kratom. I think is how they kratom. Yeah, yeah. There was. It's a natural um, uh, plant, right? Um, that uh, helps with uh, a bunch of different things, well-being and everything, you know. And the FDA or the DA was trying to squash it in the United States, and him and his brother Chris Bell. Um, basically spearheaded a big organization and got it, the DA to back off and the FDA to back off and everyone to back off so that people can take it. There's vets that are taking it, but it helps their PTSD and things like that. I just didn't know if you've heard about it or knew anything regarding it because I'm still trying to get info on it. I haven't. I I honestly, I haven't, but I'm now you've pointed the right direction. I've got some pretty brilliant doctors that believe in the mission and are and are on board like i'm talking like unapologetic will fuck your day with some truth and i don't care if i upset the world or anyone else whose feelings get hurt in the process right. kind of doctors good for them right shit but i'm not scared yeah. fucking come out come at them and they're like the worst is they go 
you know, if anyone comes and goes, you're not following the science, they're like, well, actually, I'm only following the science. I'm reading papers that are directly off the CDC website. Right. So you're like, I, I will give you those papers. So it's all evidential backed. And this is something random like this is usually what I would I come across that I take to one of them and they give me the lowdown on it. Now, how can okay. people find you and your foundation and how can they get involved? So I'm uh, I'm going to try to keep it pretty simple because I hate multiple layers of social media. So I've just basically got Instagram at this point. I will have the website on there and I'll also give you the the, the website um, directly as well. Okay. And it's like, you know, and then that's pretty much the easiest way to, to sort of find me, track the website. And that way you don't have to have it written down anywhere. You can click on it anytime. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be the easiest way to, to keep, to keep track of, of these sorts of things. Now, what's your Instagram? Uh, Nick, N-I-C, Lone Wolf. There you go. Cool. You can find him there, get the information. What's the website for the foundation? WarriorRefit.com. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. I'm just going to type it in here so you got it. And then... uh I'll get some information from you when we're finished recording, but uh, uh, we want to give our guests a chance to, uh, so it's uh, warrior refit, all one word, W A R R I O R R E F I T.com. Which is where you can reach the website for Nick's foundation. We always give our guests a chance to dedicate the episode that they're on to whomever they would like. Um, Sometimes it's somebody who's passed away in the line of duty. Usually that's who it is, but occasionally it's somebody who's struggling or, or battling something. So uh, we wanted to give you the chance, Nick, um, if you had somebody you'd like to dedicate your episode to. Yeah. Um, I'd actually, if I, if I was, I'd, um, I'd like to dedicate this one to my dog that I took to that went to Afghanistan. Sure. I know that's not a not a person. But I think There's your battle buddy. Some of the unappreciated efforts of him and the dogs like him have saved a great many lives, right? And just did it at a sacrifice to basically their entire life and not by their own election. Right. And even though when they're, they're a part of the pack and they're one of us, they don't get sacrificed in any capacity. And many of them did die in the line of protecting their pack. Yep. And I just, you know, I, 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 out of one of the things just from Afghanistan was just the selflessness of the people, but, those dogs just fearlessly went in every fucking time. And like guys coming around corners and they're mauling, trying to fight three Taliban at the same time, you know, and they, they know you're coming. And those dogs also get the shaft when it comes to returning home. So they, um, when they came, they came home with us in the past and years in Vietnam, they were not treated so well. And now they are. And then their retirement, my dog was happily retired living his last few years out. Um, That's good to know. Because there's so many foundations that have to 
their focus is is rehoming mm-hmm. prior service dogs because they're just what do you do with them? Yeah, yeah we'd we'd probably fight for ours, you know, between us. Like yeah. when I I had to leave sort of prematurely due to the medical conditions, but um, the person who took him on there after me really um really you know like the two of us it was like it would have been one of either of us yeah um for sure like there wasn't a chance in hell no anyone else it was going to be the two of us um and it was at the end of the day we didn't even decide who wanted him as much as what was obviously the best for the dog it was like a little custody thing yeah 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 yeah. what's your dog's name boda nice boda yeah I, you you've used that name for other things, I believe. I have. I've yeah. used that right many things. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a little research. Uh okay. So we we wanna thank you for coming on, Nick. This has been really fun. I want to have you back on just to just to get some stories about your time in Afghanistan and talk about the cool shit you did and I'm sure the crazy shit you've seen. Um, but this was more about your journey and and, and about how you've gotten from overtraining yourself and punishing yourself mercilessly to trying to recreate yourself. And I think that's an important story to tell. Yeah. Yeah. I am. And I I appreciate you guys and your time to go through this because, you know, there's, there's an infinite amount of just, you know, I guess you like chaotic, like fun and adventurous and whatever different war stories and things out there. But some of the stuff that I really feel that needs to be uh, addressed. I'm just grateful that you gave that a voice. Yeah, um, oh, absolutely. That's, that, that's the thing we're, we're here for. We're here for the funny stuff. You want to tell a story about the time that somebody, you know, fell into a bucket of shit and had to go out on deployment covered in doo-doo. We're down for it. We're here for it. You want to tell a story about somebody you arrested that was half naked? We're down for it. Here for it. But you want to talk about your struggles and how you put yourself back together? We're absolutely down for it, and we're here for it. Those are the stories. And I love the powerful messages of the to making your mental game stronger because there are so many people, so many people who struggle with that mental game. You know, with whether it be PTSD, depression, anxiety, things like that. That before when we were little kids were like, ah, it's bullshit, right? Yeah, it's not real. But now as getting older, we know it's definitely real. It's scary as shit sometimes. And I like getting those messages out there because it's, it's so powerful and it lets people know they're not alone. There is a way out. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Keep pressing on and Mm -hmm. you'll fucking get there. Yep. We were better served. Honestly, we were better served with villages than we are with cities. And so you need to you need to find your little village of people and make sure that you guys all take care of each other. Oh yeah, get go find your community. That's right. That looks like. Find your tribe. Well, um, we appreciate it. And uh, Chuck, what do you have for us? Well, hey everyone, thank you for listening. If you like today's podcast and the content we provide, please help us out by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you subscribe to. Our podcast is available on all major podcast reading platforms, as well as on our YouTube. Reviews and ratings are how podcast platforms decide what to recommend, so your reviews really help us grow the show. Also, please give us a follow on our Instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at War Stories Podcast. <clears throat> if you already follow us, please like and share our posts. 
Click the link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook, and you'll be able to reach all of our social media sites and our website. Another way to support us is by visiting our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com and uh, by grabbing some of our merch. We have shirts, patches, stickers, and whoopee hoodies available. If you think you have a story to tell and you want to be a guest on the show, please email your info and a brief description of your story to us at booking dot war stories at gmail.com so i can get you booked we are always looking for veterans law enforcement firefighters medics but also corrections dispatchers and nurses if you have a friend who you think would be a great fit let them know about us and give them our booking email again thank you for the support stay safe and until our next episode come home with your shield or on it